91 has lodged an application to the Financial Sector Conduct Authority here in South Africa for its popular global environment fund to be registered as a RAND-denominated feeder fund in the country. It is a fund that uh, helps its investors balance the climate risk in their portfolio by investing in companies that are transitioning to a low-carbon future. With us to talk more about the fund is Deirdre Cooper, co-portfolio manager of the fund and head of sustainable equity at 91. Deirdre, thanks so much for your time. First of all, let's start with the basics. What or why, rather, is this Global Environment Fund so popular? The Global Environment Fund invests in the companies that are the solution providers for climate change. Globally, we invest today about six, $700 billion every year in climate finance. If the world is to transition to a net zero economy, which we really believe will happen, it won't happen linearly, but that's absolutely the direction of travel driven by regulation, driven by technological change, driven by individuals making decisions in their own life to buy products that are more sustainable, then that six, seven hundred billion needs to grow to somewhere between four and six trillion dollars every year. So that's really why we believe that investing in a concentrated portfolio of climate solution providers allows, first of all, investors to, to hedge that climate risk. So, so to, to offset some of those investments they might have that really don't perform quite so well as we transition. But more importantly, give those investors access to a really attractive, high structural growth investment opportunity that has the ability to, to outperform as the pace of decarbonisation accelerates. What is the investment philosophy of the fund? So the fund really believes, as I touched on earlier, Um, that the world is moving towards um, a low-carbon economy and that there's a number of reasons um, behind that. Part of it is regulation. You might have seen the the US really recently passed a really important bill called the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, In spite of its name, that's really a climate change bill. The big point of that is to incentivize investment in things like renewable energy, in electric cars, in energy efficiency, to, to move the U.S. towards a low-carbon economy. Here in Europe, um, we have RepowerEU. Um, the climate agenda in Europe has actually accelerated recently post the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and massive shortages of gas. Europe's very reliant on, on Russia for, for its energy supply. About 30-40% of gas in Europe comes from Russia. So as a result, the, the investment in renewable energy in, in a low-carbon economy is driven not only by climate, but also by that need for energy security. Similarly, in China, as the, the, the Chinese government thinks about stimulus, thinks about infrastructure stimulus, um, decarbonization is a really big part of that infrastructure investment, whether it's, again, clean electricity or investment in grids, but also investing in low-carbon transportation. So in China at the moment, for example, almost a third of old cars sold are electric cars. So China's leading the world in the electrification of transport. So, so it's not a one country or even a one region um, phenomenon. It's something that we see all over the world. Um, and our strategy believes that that's going to accelerate. And therefore, as I touched on at the beginning, that those companies that are exposed to that decarbonization growth tailwind, those companies have the ability to outperform um, global equities driven by that structural growth tailwind and to deliver a very different performance footprint, one that isn't really impacted um, as much 
by, um, you know, cyclical GDP, but is rather impacted by the pace of decarbonisation. So sustainability, a big theme presently and likely to remain a big theme even tomorrow. So what then sets uh, your fund apart from other funds that also operate under a sustainability theme? So we have um, a proprietary methodology. We work together with the Carbon Disclosure Project, which is the biggest non-profit organization in this area um, that allows us to create a bespoke universe of those climate solution providers. So unlike the tech sector or the healthcare sector, there is no one you know, easily accessible um, definition um, you know, in order for investors to allocate those companies that will outperform as, as we start to decarbonize more quickly. So, so we have a proprietary way of, of finding those companies. We access a universe um, looking at the carbon data, so finding the companies that have products and services that avoid carbon. Um, so that allows us to find companies that you might not normally think um, we're really going to outperform as we decarbonize more quickly. We, we see more attractive valuations um, in some of those more, more undiscovered areas. And it also allows us to report on the impact of the companies in a really systematic manner. So for every single company every year, we report how the company is reducing its own emissions. And then we also report the positive benefit of its products and services. Where then are you seeing opportunity presently for your fund? We see opportunity across a really wide variety of areas. We see some really interesting companies, for example, in China. We own some companies in China that are very active in the electric car value chain. I touched on earlier the fact that almost a third of new cars sold in China at the moment are electric. We own a company called Wuxi Intelligent that makes the machines to make um, batteries for electric cars. So every time an, an automaker wants to grow their percentage of electric cars, they, they need to invest in, in machines to make batteries. The lithium-ion batteries are sort of the bottleneck in that value chain. Um, we also own a company called Sandboy Intelligent Controls that makes the heat management for those batteries. So making sure that they, they stay safe is really important, and that, again, is a, is a critical component. In other areas that you mightn't necessarily immediately think of, we own a company in the UK called Quota that makes bio-based chemicals that go into more sustainable consumer products. So, so L'Oreal is one of their biggest customers. L'Oreal wants to make sure that over the next um, five years or so that everything that they sell is bio-based and sustainable, and Crota is their key partner in delivering on that. We own a company in Denmark called Novazines um, that similarly is, uh, they make, they're the world leader in manufacturing enzymes. Enzymes are used to allow processes to run at lower temperatures. So they have solutions for consumer products, for industrial companies, and also for, for agriculture and more sustainable fertilizers um, and other agricultural products. So it's a really broad range of different types of companies, some a little earlier stage, like Bushi Lead Intelligent, the company that makes the machines for electric car batteries. That was founded you know, just over a decade ago to, to much more established, more defensive companies like utilities, like NextEra Energy in the US, which is uh, the largest owner of wind and solar generation in the world, but is a, a really defensive regulated business that has delivered through many cycles. And that allows us to build a diversified portfolio across different regions and types of companies. Mm. How would you describe the current uh, pace to transition towards net zero? Uh, some say the Ukraine conflict and the skyrocketing 
energy prices that followed has kind of slowed that uh, transition. We have a lot more countries using coal right now than they probably would have liked to before the the war broke out. But what is your view and do you think the Ukraine conflict and soaring inflation around the world has slowed or even diverted the transition to net zero? Absolutely not. So in the short term, and this is important, in the short term, it will mean that emissions will go up. And the reason for that is that they're switching from gas to coal. So there's no question that this is bad from a climate perspective. You know, as Europe tries to replace, as I said, 30 or 40 percent, depending on the, the, the period of the gas in Europe comes from Russia. That gas is no longer flowing. The Russians have turned off the tap. So, so Europe is dealing with that in two ways. One is demand reduction, and the other one is using coal instead. Coal is much more carbon intensive than gas, so, so emissions are going up. But the pace of decarbonization is accelerating because of the fact that an investment in energy efficiency that perhaps used to take you know, three or five years to get your money back, now you have payback in a year. You know, the relative cost of renewable energy versus fossil fuels used to be maybe 10 or 15 percent cheaper in Europe to, to generate electricity from solar versus using the electricity grid. Now it's like 75 percent cheaper um, because we're where those energy prices are. So, so as you look across all the various areas that we invest in, higher energy prices mean that the, the, the transition is now an economic transition as well as a climate transition. Um, it also means, as I said, that the energy security element of this discussion has become much more important. Europe wants to transition, not just because they want to do the right thing from a climate perspective, but because they need to find a way to not be reliant on imported fuels. And that is also the case in, in other parts of the world. You know, gas isn't found easily in every area. China doesn't have a lot of domestic natural gas. And I think this, this crisis has led countries all over the world to realize that they need to control their energy supply. And of course, the wind and the sun is, is typically not imported. Well, thanks uh, for stating the, uh, the facts as you're seeing them right now. Deirdre, we'll leave it there for now. Deirdre Cooper, co-portfolio manager of the uh, 91 Global Environment Fund, as well as the head of sustainable equity at the company.